0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. I have heard many comments about me getting involved in, in prison ministry and uh, most of the comments that I hear are negative. Um, I usually, when I hear things like that, I just i don 't answer, i don 't give an explanation, I just smile and pretend to be an idiot, which, for me is easy to do. <laughs> but seriously, the reality of it is that the people that are behind bars, the great majority of these people are the product of broken families: divorce, drugs, alcohol violence in the lives of young people is what lands most of them behind bars not all of them but the great majority of them and the cry of these people when you corner them one-on-one is if I only had someone that would guide me along as I was growing up if I if I could do my life all over again I would never be here that's what you hear And when I hear people say, I will never do the things that these people have done because these people have committed horrible crimes. You know, I always go back to Jeremiah 17, verse 9, if you want to look that up. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You know, if you were put in the right place at the right time without any guidance from someone, without any knowledge of the Word of God, in the heart of every one of us, there is a small flame of evil. And all you need is for someone to put a little bit of gasoline on it. There's no way to tell how bad things will get. And so, all I can say is that growing up in a broken family is is really tough. And, and uh, I strongly believe in the death penalty, and I, I, don't, I don't make any excuses for that. And uh, the people that are behind bars, most of them will tell you that they deserve to be put to death. They'll tell you that, and they know it. So, I love doing that. I, I think it's a great ministry, and, and I think that the, the reason why many Christians don't, don't want to get involved is because, one, you have to be a little crazy to go and spend a day with a bunch of murderers. Uh, two is they are afraid there are only two, two things in the world that people are very afraid of. That's pain and death. Nobody likes to suffer pain and nobody wants to die. So I, when I go there, I, I, I know that I'm at number at least 120 to 150 to one. So I don't have a chance. If they wanna take me out, it'll be so quick that before I realize what happens, I'll be in glory. I know that. So, but if you are afraid to die, Don't go there, because you're probably going to (laughs) die. Anyhow, take your Bibles to uh, Psalm 14. And when you get there, please stand. Psalm 14, verse 1. To the chief musician of Psalm of David... The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They, have, they are corrupt, they have done abominable works, there is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside, they are all together become filthy, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity not knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear for God is in the generation of the righteous. Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice. And Israel shall be glad. Let us pray. My Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to stand here and preach your word to your people. Father, I pray that you will give me in this hour the strength and the wisdom that I need to do this job, Lord. And most importantly, to glorify you in everything that I do. Father, I pray for the victims of these fires once again. And for all the firefighters and police officers that are working hard to restore order. Father, we thank you for our pastor. He was able to come back safe and sound. Pray, Lord, for all those who take part in what we do here. We also pray for Brother Wilson Maungo and uh, Brother Wong and their crisis that they're going through. Pray that you will help us to help them and bring them back to wherever they need to be. Father, thank you for everybody that has come to listen to the preaching of your word. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever wondered how it is that highly educated and sophisticated people come to the conclusion that there is no God? A lot of these things you learn them in college. Going to college, you, you probably know about God, but in some, some time as you go along in your studies, I've heard that most people who grew up in church, when they get to college, secular college, the college professor manages to teach him out of that belief. The only way that you can come up to that conclusion is to to be taught by someone, either that or to ignore that God himself has put his signature in the heart of every person so that you know that there is a God without anyone telling you about him. It's amazing to see that the Uneducated, uncivilized, illiterate jungle bush or bushman that you will call in the, in the jungles of third world countries is, is always worshiping something. And everywhere he goes, he leaves little shrines. He may not know what he's worshiping, but he knows that there is something higher than him out there. You see, everybody knows the Ten Commandments. You may not be able to name them all or in the right order, but even if you have never read the Bible or heard about them, somehow you know them. Preaching is always for the edification of the people of God, but we hope that unsafe people will come and see what we do here because it's only through the preaching of God's Word that people come to the knowledge of their sinful condition. And unless someone tells you that they care about your soul, you may not be able to see how deep and how low you have fallen in your own depravity. A while ago, I watched a documentary about a, about a tribe in Africa that has a very weird and twisted tradition. Once a year, the, the men and the women in this tribe, these are husbands and wives, traveled to another tribe they go visit another tribe and they travel a good distance without their children. And during that week, they eat, they drink, they paint their bodies, they perform all kinds of sick and twisted dances. And on the day before the event is over, they pick a person from the other tribe to spend the night with. And the whole point of that trip is to spend a night with a stranger. You know, you would think these are people, uncivilized people. And I always thought that that practice was only taking place in San Francisco or around here, but it's everywhere, you know. Anyhow, the, the person that was interviewing, I mean, that was filming this documentary went to one of the ladies that had participated in the event. And through an interpreter, he asked her if she thought that participating in that event only to spend a night with a stranger was wrong. And this lady began to bite her fingernails and with a nervous laughter and her head bowed down, uh, down in shame, she responded and she said, we all know that this is wrong, but we look forward to participating in it every year because the idea of spending one night with a stranger is fun and exciting. And I thought there is an uncivilized heathen there who has never heard of commandment number seven, and yet she knows, and her husband, and everybody else participating in this, they all know that is wrong. Who told them that this is wrong? Because they don't dare bring their children to see what they do, because they know that is wrong. You see, on judgment day, no one is going to be able to play dumb. Because even if you don't know how you have offended the Lord, at the end of the day, you know that you have somehow. And if you're honest, you go to the Lord and say, Lord, you're smart, I'm not, you know everything, I don't know anything, I have failed somewhere along the way, please forgive me. That's if you're honest. Now the the first verse here says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He refuses to acknowledge that there is a God, only one God. A person who denies the existence of of God is is truly mentally insane, mentally unbalanced. Because he is claiming to know everything there is to know about everything. He's claiming to be omniscient because nobody gave him any information. He just happened to know on his own that there is no God. He's also claiming to be omnipresent because he has discovered on his own that there is no God. Therefore, it's impossible for him for God to exist anywhere in the universe without him knowing it. Because he already knows everything there is to know about everything. This is what I always say, that people who don't believe that there is a God out there, they belong in a nut house and should never be let out. But the scary thing about it is that these people are everywhere, and many of them are politicians, believe it or not. A person who takes the position that there is no God ignores the wonders of God in creation. The immensity of the universe and the amazing and precise uh, movement of the planets, the marvelous balance and suitability of the earth to sustain life, and the fantastic complexity of the human brain. You know that even dumb people have an amazing brain. know, take a look at, at the marvelous design and suitability of the earth to sustain life. Christians in the scientific community point out that God has carefully designed the earth to sustain human life for his glory, and I do believe that that is true. I was looking for something that would explain our solar system, and the precise location of the earth in the universe. And why is it that God uh, invests so much in a small planet? And the only conclusion is that humanity is unique, it's unlike anything out there. And God loves to save sinners. That is the only explanation. Now for those of us who are saved and love the Lord, we have no problem bowing our knee and praising the Lord for his creation. To deny the existence of God, you have to go to college and have the college professor teach you how to be an idiot. Because instead of teaching you something valuable, something good, he is able somehow to teach you how to be a fool. You know, I found this from a guy named Henry Bosch. I have no idea who that guy is, but I looked him up. About the location of the earth in the universe and why it's not possible for the entire creation to have come into existence without, being, without God being the designer of everything. Now, before I quote this gentleman, I need to point out that I like science. I watched Brother Andrew one time perform some kind of magic out here and it was great. But when these guys start throwing numbers and figures like the temperature of the sun, really, who has gone up there and measured the temperature of the sun? You know, it's impossible. Or how many galaxies are in the universe? Nobody knows that stuff. When they start talking about black holes. Or how many light years it will take to get from here to a star? You know, these are figures that—why oh, bother? I become a little skeptical when I hear things like that. I just don't think there is a man on this earth that has the capacity to comprehend how vast is the universe and what is out there. We just simply don't know. We're dealing here with things that are so profound that all we can say is that this is the wisdom of God. In Romans 11, 30, 11 and 34, Paul said this, All oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? That's a good question. Who can teach anything to Almighty God? No one. In creation, the wisdom of God is fully fully on display for everyone to see it. And you truly have to be a fool to miss it. But many people do miss it. Now, I don't know who is this guy, Henry Bosch, like I said, but he gives God all the credit for creation. And the only reason why I'm quoting him is because everything he says is is according to the Bible. Now, remember that you should use discernment every time you hear or read or learn anything about a scientist talking from a biblical point of view. Don't just take him at his word. Use discernment. I'm quoting him now. He says, The earth rotates on its axis at approximately 1,000 miles per hour. If that had been 100 miles per hour, our days and nights would be 10 times longer, and our planet would alternately between burning and freezing. Under such circumstances, vegetation could not live. If the earth were as small as the moon, the power of gravity would be too weak to retain sufficient atmosphere, and for men's needs. But if, but if it were as large as Jupiter or Saturn, extreme gravitation would make human movement in, almost impossible. If we were ne- as near as, as near to the Sun as Venus, the heat would be unbearable. If we were as far as Mars, we would experience snow and ice every night even in the warmest regions. If the oceans were half present dimensions, we would receive only one-fourth the rainfall we do now. If if they were one-eighth larger, our annual precipitation would increase fourfold and this earth would become a vast uninhabitable swamp. Water solidifies at 32 degrees above zero. It would be a disaster if the oceans froze at that temperature. However, for then, the amount of thawing in the polar regions would not balance out, and ice would accumulate throughout the centuries. To prevent such a catastrophe, the Lord, in his wisdom, put salt in the sea to alter its freezing point. I thought that was brilliant. Now, the possibility that all this came into ex- existence by chance is insane. That is why the Bible says that atheists are fools. And I agree with that. They are morally fools. And this is not a question of intelligence. A lot of these people are super smart. It has to do with their morality. Because when you throw God out of our... You you are not accountable to anyone. You're not accountable to, to anyone for your actions. And you become the standard. In other words... You call the shots, not God. The verdict on this, on uh, of God, on, on these fools, is that they are corrupt. And it's interesting if you look at this. When you try to compare the lifestyle of people who deny the existence of God, there's a close connection between the people that are totally depraved. And those who somehow have a little bit of knowledge of the things of God, or at least don't deny it. If you adopt the idea that there is no God, you are bound to be immoral. And you desire is only to satisfy yourself, and your own depravity, without fear of any retribution. Verse 2 says, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that, it under, that did understand, understand and seek God. This has to do with the descendants of fallen Adam. That's you and I. See, nothing has changed looking back at the corridor of time, just like it was in in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. I think that's Bob's favorite verse there where we read, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It's like that everywhere now. Sin is like a cancer that eats away everything that is good, and it has no limits. People without God don't know when or where to stop sinning, because it's like a drug. The more you use it, the more you want it, and it gives you pleasure immediately. And you do it over and over again until it kills you. And it's getting very difficult. You have to look very hard nowadays to find someone who fears and honors God, even in the workplace. And the farther people, again, the farther people get away from the Bible, the darker the world becomes. And I always say that it's either back to the Bible or back to the jungle, live like animals. In Romans chapter 3, verses uh, 10, 11, and 12, we find Paul using the same language that you find in uh, Psalm 14 verses 1, 2, and 3 to indicate that the sin of man has affected every part of humanity in every way. Every part of life of man is infected with sin. In Psalm 14, David is not thinking about the entire human race, even though that, that application would be true, but rather he's talking about those who flat out deny the existence of God, Ignoring ignoring the evidence that is right in front of them, screaming out loud that it is impossible for this universe to exist without God. Verse 3 They are all gone aside, they are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, not one. The conclusion is that these people have willingly turned their backs on God, they are morally corrupt. And when God looks down to see if there is anyone who does good, God Himself cannot find not even one of them. They have altogether become filthy. It conveys the idea of something that is putrefying, decaying to the point that it stinks and it cannot be tolerated. I'm a garbage man, I can tell you about things that stink really stink sin is like a one big pile one big stinking mess in the sight of almighty God and he will not tolerate it therefore you should never underestimate your sins the word all here indicates that sinfulness and the depravity of men is universal everywhere you go you find people sinning in different ways but everybody is sinning the illiterate, uneducated, and the highly sophisticated, the civilized, is just as wicked and as sinful as your next door neighbor. Verse 4 here it says, Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? Of course, the context here is the Jewish people, because those are, they are the people of God. They are the chosen people of God. And the knowledge we're talking about here is the knowledge of God. The answer is they don't have any knowledge. Even though God has put the moral law in their heart, somehow they manage to push it aside and go on on their own path of destruction. You know your conscience always lets you know every time you sin, you know that. And it tells you that what you're doing is wrong, but men by nature enjoy sinning. You never have to teach anyone to do evil. You never have to teach your children how to lie. They just know how to do it. You wonder, where did they pick it up? They picked it up from me, you know, because I'm a liar myself. You know? You can see this in institutions of higher learning, in the names they pick out as their symbols of power and dominion, you know? You don't see a beautiful butterfly in the entrance to these universities. The names they adopt are like the lions, the tigers, the bears, the sharks, things like that. Nobody wants to be identified with something beautiful. They just want something brute. When you sin, you sin against your own understanding because you know better, but you do it anyway. You also sin against your own moral conscience Because sin is a crime against God. Every time you sin against God, you committed a crime against Almighty God. And you're also sinning against your own soul. And yes, God will forgive you. Whatever sin you have committed, if you truly repent, He will forgive you. But in many cases, depending on the type of sin that you have committed, you're gonna have to go through life with the scars. And in many cases, A guilty conscience can drive people to take their own lives. Another way you sin is against experience, because there is nothing new under the sun. And whatever sin you are committing right now, someone else has already tried it and has fallen on his or her face. And they never bothered to turn, up, turn away from that and, and, and look to God for forgiveness. Verse 5 says, There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Every wrong that has been done to God's people will be made right one day. That is the Jewish people, because that is the context here. You know, I, I don't believe that we, have fully, that, that we fully comprehend what it's like to be afraid. I have seen some horrible accidents in my life when people, they just stand there numb. You know, absolutely numb. There's, they don't even move. You know, they tremble. God spoke this universe into existence out of nothing. And he can speak it out of existence at any time. That's fearful if you you really get your head around that. That's something to be afraid of. This is the God that is going to judge the wicked. This is the God that is going to punish the enemies of the Jewish people. This is the God that is going to avenge every drop of blood that has been spilled from every Christian and from every unborn baby. Romans 12 and verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Our God is gracious, long-suffering, merciful, loving, kindness. But there is the other side, you know, he is a consuming fire, and the wicked will have to face him in judgment. Zechariah verse uh, 2 verse 8 says, For that says the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoil you. For he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. That's how much God loves the Jewish people. So that they are the apple of his eye. You shouldn't mess with them. God loves them. And you can mark it down. He will always love them. But when they rejected their king, he put them on hold for just a little while. And as a result of their rejection, we got in. But 2,000 years of history is is like a drop in the bucket in the timetable of God. Acts 13.46 says, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, "It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you, put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, return turn to, to the Gentiles. If you are a Christian, a true child of God, there has never been a better time to serve the Lord. The church occupies a very special place in the economy of God." Ephesians 5.25 says that he loved the church so much that he gave himself for her. The church is compared to a bride. You, never, you have never seen an ugly bride out there. Even the ugly ones on that day, they look beautiful somehow. You know? When the Lord takes his bride out of this world, then he's going to turn back to the, to the Jewish people. that's that's not going to be a glorious time for anyone who will miss the rapture. If you think it's bad now because you can't go anywhere without having to put up with potheads, they're all over the place. Our USA flag is being replaced with the rainbow flag. Everywhere you go you see that now. But this is nothing, you know. If you disagree with people who promote drugs, Sex and alcohol, violence, it's better for you to just keep your mouth shut, don't say anything, because liberals are very intolerant. But that's nothing. We can endure that. We can endure it. And the way we do it is, number one, in prayer, number two, in the book, and number three, be faithful to your local church and don't neglect it. We have not been saved to, save, to, to, to set the wicked straight. We can't do that. That's the work of God. We have not been saved to fix the problems of this world. We can't do it. We can't fix them. We have been saved to, to be a light, to be a good example to the people who think and know that we are Christians. They should see in us something that they don't see among themselves. We have been saved to stand in opposition to everything that is wicked and sinful. That is our place as Christians. If you do that in the end, the Lord will reward you. Verse 6 says, "Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. This statement is directly to the wicked in connection with the previous verse, which says, that God is in the generation of the righteous, but since the fool has already told us that there is no God in verse 1, he feels confident mocking anyone who finds safety, security, and salvation trusting in God. Now, have you noticed how every four years the wealthy politicians crisscross our nation promising the moon and the stars and selling their mama and everything else knowing full well that they cannot deliver on these promises. They just can't, and they know that, but they want you to believe that. You have know, been watching these clowns for a long time now, and there are two things that they promise. I, I, I figured that out finally. It took me a while, but I did. Number one, they promise that they're going to take care of the little guy. The poor guy will get the upper hand once they get in office. That's what they tell you. And number two is how they're going to bring peace to the Middle East. No one can deliver on those promises, you know that? If you don't know your Bible, you will swallow that lie, and the politicians will bushwhack you every time, because no man can deliver on these two promises. The Lord said that we will always have poor people, Matthew 26:11 the largest percentage of people, of the population in the world is made up of poor people. You know, wealthy people is a very small percentage. The majority of people are just poor people. But when poor people get saved, they find refuge, safety, and peace, knowing that somehow God will take care of them, not the politicians. And when this life is over, there is no mention on the, on, in the world that can compare to the glory of heaven. Number two, there will never be peace in the Middle East or anywhere in the world. Never. Cannot happen. Until the Prince of Peace comes. Then it will be possible. Isaiah forty-eight twenty-two says, There is no peace, says the Lord, unto the wicked. Who is the wicked? Everyone who refuses to bow the knee to King Jesus since we're talking about those who refuse to acknowledge that there is a God, one God, this statement is to them. Verse 7 says, O that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion, when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. The language here is, who will give out out of Zion salvation to Israel? Israel here is referred to, to primarily to the Hebrew people and then is generally applied to indicate the people of God that is the Christians, that can be applied to the Christian. Now it is strongly argued I don't know why, but it's strongly argued by some that this psalm was not written by David because of the phrase when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people in verse 7. But Somehow, somebody thought it was necessary for you to know who wrote this psalm and it tells you in the introduction of it. Now, it is true that David was chased all over the place by Saul, but he was never in captivity. David is looking far into the future to that glorious millennial kingdom when King Jesus is going to rule the world from Jerusalem. God is not done with the Jewish people. One of these days, when that trumpet blows, we are out of here. And then he's going to turn back his attention to them. The word captive here can mean two different things physical captivity or spiritual captivity. If you're not saved, you're a captive to your sin. And you will remain a slave to sin until you turn to Jesus Christ. The tragedy of unbelief will cost you your own soul to be eternally separated. From God in torment, without hope of ever get, getting out, without your family, without anyone who cares about your soul, without anyone who truly loves you and doesn't want you to miss out on these glorious things—that's what you got Look, that's what you're looking forward to. If you deny the Lord, if you turn down the gift of eternal life, that would be your greatest tragedy—to to go into eternity without God. Glorious days are coming for those who repent and trust in Christ. If you're not saved today, I hope that you will do it this evening. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Roanoke Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.